Welcome to The Endless Shelf. I am your host, Renata. Each week, a book lover adds a kid's book they love to our shelf. But before they tell us all about it, I need them to answer some important questions that twist their minds into a pretzel. Now, I know those of you who listened last week might be thinking, how was that meteor shower? Thank you for asking that so thoughtful of you. Well, the meteor was lovely. We got her nice and clean and ready to just shoot off into the sky all shiny. I helped her get those hard-to-reach spots and she was very grateful. So thank you to Sharon. Her kindness was just out of this world. A stellar podcast guest. Among a constellation of very fun and understanding guests, she is a shooting star. Okay, enough space puns. Let's get to know this week's guest. Emma Greville is a freelance editor, former ESL and literacy teacher, and mum. She has travelled all over the world and lives in Victoria with her kids, chooks, and cats. Emma actively gets her books out into the world with workshops, presentations, and school visits, and is very passionate about helping kids hold on to a love for reading and writing. The book we are here to talk about today is the beginning of a middle-grade fantasy series, and we're so excited to get more Lawkeeper books to read in the future. Welcome to the shelf, Emma. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. What do you love about kids' books? Well, oh, there are so many answers to that question, aren't there? I could be here all day. First of all, I think kids are brave all the time. Kids are always doing brand new things every day. They're going to school and learning new things, meeting new teachers, meeting new friends, doing sports. And I think because kids are always doing new things, you can have a child character in your book and you can make them do crazy, amazing feats and daring deeds that as a grown-up, you wouldn't be able to. A grown-up would just say, no, thank you, that sounds really dangerous, so I won't do that. But if you've got a child <laughs> character, you can have them jumping through portals into new worlds and your your readers, because they do new things all the time as well, go, yeah, I'd do that too. That's a really exciting thing to be able to write about. Yeah, there's that special freedom you get to yeah. access as writers of kids' books. Would you rather have frog legs or a frog's tongue? <laughs> Uh, I think frog's legs, because being able to hop huge distances would be, well, economical, because you wouldn't need any petrol. It would be really fun. You could miss all the traffic jams. But a frog's tongue, I don't have a great desire to eat flies. It's not high on my list of things I want to try. So mm. you can keep the tongue, and I'll take the legs. <laughs> no, I think I think the legs have to be a winner for most people, right? Yeah, I would like, think so. I, I'm trying to picture how it would be useful. I suppose you could grab something from the shelf over there and fling yeah, it back to yourself you, with the tongue, but that's got, about it. frog legs, you just jump over to the shelf and straight back, quick as a flash, I think. Yeah. If you found an enchanted treasure chest... With a message engraved on the lid, and it said, if you leave this chest locked, it is full of chocolate. But if you unlock it, you will only find fleas. What do you do? <laughs> Am I 
turn it over and take the screws out from underneath and take the bottom off and pull the chocolate out from the bottom because I think technically that's not unlocking it, so I think I'd get away with it. Excellent. <laughs> that is fantastic solution. I love no, that. With, with the screwdriver well that I carry around in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> What's the strangest place you've ever gotten an idea for a scene? Well, I see the idea for my whole book it came to me when I was teaching English in South America and I, at the time I had no thoughts of writing at mm-hmm. all and I fell asleep on the couch at lunchtime during the siesta and I had an amazing vivid dream all about this young girl and her sidekick and a crystal mountain and that was 20 years ago and that stuck with me wow. until finally I, I started to kind of piece it together and came up with Rain in the Underland. But that was the first little scene. Wow. I knew there, w- there was this mountain and this girl, and that had to come together. That is incredible. What an amazing yeah. story to <laughs> be in the background. Yeah, the, yeah. the very first moment. It was, wow. yeah. That is so dropped cool. into my head. Wow. Every month on my website, which is emgrevel.com, there's a free monthly writing prompt competition and you just hop on there, look at the month's prompt. It might be a picture, it might be a sentence, a character, a situation, just whatever I feel like that month. Write a story and email it to me and I post the winner on my website. And my favorite story of the whole year I will choose in January next year and invite that writer to collaborate with me on a character for book two of Rain in the Underland. Wow, that is such a cool idea, and I bet there are lots of writer kids listening who are going to want to give that a go. Absolutely. I do hope so. I love reading their stories. It's great. Yeah, that's excellent. I love the splashes of humour in your writing. Do you find it natural to weave those moments in in the more serious stories? I do. I, I think it's natural to me anyway. I tend to approach life with as much humour as I can. But I do like oh, yeah. to think about some important issues in my book. So, you know, there's complicated family relationships, you know, feelings of mm. low self-esteem. And if you just write about that, it's not very fun to read, but it's really important to weave the humour in. And I love a book that makes me laugh. What do you love particularly about the fantasy genre? I uh, I love the impossibility of it. I love the fact that there are absolutely no limits at all. And if you can write it well and make it believable. And someone, I said this to someone the other day, and they went, but yours isn't believable. Your dragons talk. Animals can't talk. <laughs> oh, okay. Could you? Um, I know. How can I make my dragons talk? It's not realistic. But that's what I love, is that if you write it well, people will believe the most unbelievable things. And your imagination is the only limit. So it's really exciting to see how far how far you can go. And secretly, I I want to be a witch, I want to be a warlock, I want to be a vampire, I want to to be all the things that I write about. 
Fantasy has to be one of the most challenging genres, though, particularly in middle grade fiction. How did you go about building the world for the Law Keepers series? Again, it gets down to lots of notes. Everywhere there are notes. I have actual notebooks about the world building because you know, it, it does have to be cohesive and, and people pick up on things that, that don't fit. So you've really, really got to be meticulous in that. And a thousand yeah. rewrites, at least a thousand, possibly more. <laughs> And I still had my yeah. editor at the end go, but this doesn't fit in with this bit. You've changed this. And so as much as I tried to make it completely perfect, right up until the end, there was the odd little slip up. So you do have to be really, really careful and just hope that if you do get something mm-hmm. slightly wrong, your readers will forgive you <laughs> because we're only human. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a way that you keep all the information about this world that the story is taking place in somewhere? Like, how how do you do? You have a really strong picture of it in your mind. Oh yeah, I I know it just absolutely back to front and inside out because I've been writing this book for years, years and years Mm. and years, and because I've been writing it as I've been raising my family. I haven't been able to write consistently, but I've mm-hmm. always been thinking about it. And again, this is where the notes come in because I might not write for two days, but during that two days, I will have worked through a plot hole or, or worked out a bit of background to the magic system and then just writing a little note. Mm. I, it's lived in my head for such a long time now that I know it completely and it is quite complicated. You have to keep on your toes, definitely. Yeah. And I think that readers can sort of sense when the author has them firmly in this story, you know, where yeah. a reader can pick up your book and they will know that you know it that deeply. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it has to. I mm. mean, okay, it's coming back to, to making it believable. And if you don't believe in your fantasy world, you can't make your reader believe in it. But it has to be completely mm. immersive. Yeah. They have to be in the underland, walking side by side with rain. Absolutely. If you bury a starfish and then speak to it, will it still understand? <laughs> will it still understand? <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> I love a good dad joke. <laughs> <laughs> we have plenty of those here in the endless shelf, that's for sure. Are you ready to talk about your book? I am ready to talk about my book, (laughs) yes. Thank you, picture. All right, so we'll start off outside on on a rainy winter's afternoon and Rain is just sitting outside her house reading. Not very happy. She uh, she thinks her nose is too pointy. She's cold. She'd like to go inside, but her mum and stepdad are having an argument, so she's just sitting outside. And then a huge man appears out of nowhere and sits down next to her, and he says he's called Uncle Johnny. But Rain, she's pretty sure she doesn't have an uncle, and this man is a bit odd. He talks to his bag like it's a pet. And he says that he knows Rain's dad, but 
that's impossible because her dad went missing when she was a baby. And then it gets weirder because oh. when they shake hands, Rain has an out-of-body experience and she wishes up off the pavement and crashes straight into a chimney. And then, Ooh. but the weirdness doesn't stop there. That's just the start. When she returns to her body after Uncle Johnny has whispered something into her ear, she shoots a blue flame from her finger and straight through her front room window. So her stepdad storms out and he's <gasps> furious. And he punishes her by locking her in the basement. And it gets weirder. <gasps> because yeah. in the basement, she finds a lost, cursed baby dragon. So she promises to help this oh. baby dragon find his way home. But instead of doing that, she accidentally rips a tear in the fabric of the world and falls out of our world and into <gasps> a different world populated by dragons who have been cursed by an evil witch. So they, they can't breathe fire anymore. All they can do is <laughs> these disgusting, horrible smelling smoke burps. Which they just, they just burp oh. smoke all the time and it Ooh. stinks. It smells horrible. So they would like Rain to help them out and to reclaim their world from this witch who stole all their gold and cursed them so that they can't breathe fire. But Rain doesn't really want to do that because, you know, she's just an ordinary kid and this quest sounds a bit scary and a bit dangerous. Mm -hmm. But, of course, is she just an ordinary kid? After all, she did just shoot a blue flame from her finger and she tore a hole in the world. Mm -hmm. So things are definitely a little bit unusual. And what is her connection to the Underlands? Like, why is she here? Is it something about her missing dad? Is it something about the evil witch? Is it for both things? Are things connected? So she needs to find some answers. She may or may not save the world. And all she has to help her is an unreliable magic encyclopedia, a smelly baby dragon, and a very, very grumpy monkey. Yes, I noticed the monkey very quickly. <laughs> what a character. People do like the monkey. The monkey is actually my toy monkey that was in South oh. America with me when I had the dream for the book. Wow. Everything is connected. So, yes, monkey That's is right. my 25-year-old toy monkey who's made it into my book. So tell me more about this encyclopedia. It's so unreliable magic, did you say? It is an unreliable magic encyclopedia. So Wow. In our world, it's just an ordinary book, and it falls through the gateway with rain when she falls out of our world, when she accidentally tears this, gate, this hidden gateway open and she falls down with monkey and the book. And on the other side of this gateway, everything changes. So her book becomes a wow. magical encyclopedia, which she uses as a guidebook. But as, as as the book goes on and as she develops, it becomes less and less helpful. Oh boy! Okay, mm. right. But yeah. also, she needs it less, I suppose. She does, and it, it is more about uh, trusting her own instincts rather than relying mm. on other. Because it is, a, it's a coming of age journey of self discovery. You know, gradually yeah. the crutches that she's using as she gains confidence 
kind of fall away until, you know, at the end, it, can she do this by herself? I'm about halfway through book two now, and wow. things have taken some twists and turns that I wasn't expecting. So, oh. it's been a delight, delightful <laughs> Isn't it surprise. Nice it surprises you. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny when these characters that come out of your head just do something completely unexpected and just go like, oh, we're doing that, are we? Okay, let's see where it goes. Yeah. It's hilarious, but it's, I don't That's understand so how it works. They take on a life of their own. Absolutely. And you're just along like for the journey. Yeah, they're real people and they're just dictating. Apart from Monkey and the Baby mm. Dragon, does she make some more friends in this special world she's visiting? She makes a lot more creatures and some of them are friends and some of them are foes. And it's not, not always easy to tell which is which. There's some really fun characters in there that I had a lot of fun writing. Okay. Is there a particular foe that we're chasing in this first book? Yes, there is the, the sorceress. Her name is Morrigan. Oh, did you hear that? I did. Someone's what was knocking. that knocking? Hello. Can I help you? Excuse me, miss. Is this your cave? Yes, it is. I'm Sergeant Martin. This is Constable Sparks. We're with the fairy tale police. If you have a moment, we need to speak with you. Oh, my goodness. Okay, uh, just a moment, please. Of course. Oh, my goodness. Emma, what? it's the fairy tale police. <gasps> oh, oh, dear. Okay. I think I'm going to have um, to go. I'm so sorry. Yeah, okay. Oh, oh. Well, thank right. you for coming okay. on. Yeah, um, good luck. Okay. Officers, what is this about? We've received some complaints. There are allegations that unauthorized fairy tale activities has taken place on a number of occasions in this area. Oh, we're just a little podcast about kids' books. I'm not casting spells or anything. How do you explain sightings of a dragon, talking animals, and an unlicensed fireworks display? I just talk with readers and writers about kids' books, and it seems sometimes the magic leaks out a little. Whoa. That bookshelf is enormous. And who is this? That's Bookie, our podcast mascot. What's that over there with all the safety fencing? Well, well, well. It's not a well, it's a rabbit hole. Great goblins with pixie dust. Use of a rabbit hole without literary authorization is a violation of Fairy Tale Magical Use Act 1419, Section 2. I bet you're going to tell us you didn't chase a rabbit down there into a magical realm of some sort. Oh, uh... Thank you for listening to The Endless Shelf. Renata can't host the podcast right now because she's facing some unexpected legal trouble. Tale police have to make sure magic is not being misused. But we know Renata and all her guests are very capable of using kids' book magic appropriately. Music 
Make sure you go find Rain in the Underlands by Emma Greville. It sounds incredible, doesn't it? See you next week. Bookie, do you have a fairy godmother I could borrow? Or a genie's lamp? <laughs>